Dan? Yes, sir. How can you hate the video game Hades? Well, I think a better question is how can you or indeed anyone like it? Because it's fun and well-written and very pretty? Nothing about it. It's like playing Diablo 2. Yeah. Except there's no story and you don't get any control over what powers you have. And you always have to start at act one. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's the selling point. You have to play with the powers given you, which is just really fun. It's like limited magic. Why do I like drafting magic? I have to play with the cards I'm given. Well, that's, I suppose there's an argument for that. The story is done very well, but it is more in a Dark Souls Miyazaki sort of way in that it emerges as you go. You get the story by interacting with characters and asking after their lives and then talking about it. And and this is where we're going to diverge even Mm -hmm. more is I struggle to even accept the idea that Hades has a story. I mean, it absolutely (laughs) has one, right? Like, I have finished the game. I I can tell you character arcs. I probably just didn't get far enough into it to experience it. Mm -hmm. It felt to me like, you know, when you're running around in an MMO Mm -hmm. and you find a book and Mm -hmm. you can stop playing the game and read a couple pages of in world fiction. Yep. That's what Hades felt like yes, to me. But the genius like, aspect oh. of it is you get that almost exclusively, not 100%, but almost exclusively after you've just failed a run and you are kind of in that moment of, I don't know if I want to go back out there. Right. The problem I run into with a lot of these other things is you run across this book in the middle of an action thing. You're looting a dungeon. There are mm-hmm. people chasing after you. I'm not going to read the book then. Yeah. But if. You read the book after you have failed in your quest and you're sitting there being like, oh man, um, I got so close this time. I'm really frustrated with this game. I'm going to go talk to people for a little bit and cool off and get pieces of story. And by the time you're done with that, you're like, all right, I'm ready to give it another go. Then you go and you give it another go. Now, okay, I actually have some questions for you because Mm -hmm. I did not enjoy the game in any way. And uh-huh. so I didn't finish it. And yeah. so there's things that I'm curious about. But I think it's important for our listeners and yes. our viewers. And I told you this right before we started recording. Playing Hades was a genuinely disconcerting experience for me. Uh-huh. Because it was the most I have ever felt like the whole world was pranking me. Uh-huh. Because here you're describing things that were great about it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, those aren't great things. And Do that's not like- how it was for me. The genre. Do you like roguelikes? Um, I have have played played? a few roguelikes. Which ones have you played? Um, I played one on my phone ad nauseum called Dungelot, which was great. I got really, really far in that one and enjoyed Mm -hmm. it a lot. Okay. And now I can't remember the names of any others. Did you play FTL? Did you play Spelunky? Did you play Binding of Isaac? No. Binding of Isaac is one that I tried and similarly bounced off of. Right. And so it is entirely agreeable, I will admit, that it is not a genre that I love, Mm -hmm. though it is a genre that I have played before without hating. Slay the Spire. You played Slay the Spire, I I played a little Slay the Spire, Mm -hmm. yes. I enjoy that one quite a bit. I like the deck-building aspect of that one. Right. See, Hades is deck-building. It really is. not. Yeah, but as your powers powers get... So it actually 100% is. Here's the thing. You have to figure out how to play these games. That's Mm -hmm. part of the fun. With Hades, the powers are randomized, except they're not. 
meaning you can seed it to get certain powers that you want. Mm-hmm. And you can reject powers. New players never do. It's a good idea often to reject powers and only because you get certain things that will enhance the powers you have and mm-hmm. randomly adds abilities to the powers you have. And so if you have a lot of powers, you get a lot of weak powers. And if you have a couple powers, then you enhance those ones mm-hmm. till they're min-maxed. Yeah. And so playing that style where you pick just a couple of things and don't take a good number of the boons then suddenly you build these really interesting builds where it combines this weapon with these three powers. And like I three-shotted the the end boss after combining the powers. Yeah. The very last boss, he has invincibility frames, so I can't remember how many shots. I got him to his invincibility. You know, you hit him and he's like re- uh, whatever. I got him with one shot in each of those. Nice. And I couldn't have done that in a game where it was completely random. Because mm-hmm. I said, I want to do this build. It did take me two or three tries to figure out how the build works and to get a good version of it. Yeah. And then I got to the ending and just, bam, he was dead. Which weapon was that with? So that was with the, let's see, what was I doing? I was doing the bow. You can do a thing with the bow mm-hmm. where you load magic power into the bow. You have like a bunch of your magic powers. Instead, you load it into the bow. So when the bow hits, it explodes all the magic powers in one shot. Oh, and so I loaded the, the bow with a bunch of magic powers. I aimed and I had enhanced those powers through the roof. I only had like mm-hmm. three powers. It was really just the yeah. critical strike on the bow and the magic thing and a couple of those things. And it's just like release, bam, half his health is gone. He's to his invincibility moment. And then he comes back up and before he's done talking, you shoot him again and he's down doing that again. And that is really fun to me. A game that hmm. lets you do that, that lets you say, what if I combine these two things? What if I combine this power and this power? And that sometimes doesn't let you do it, where you're like, well, I only have these three or four powers. How can I use these with what I have to make a viable build that is really exciting and interesting and see if I can win the game with it? Yeah. And by the end, I mean, I could win the game with any weapon and any combination of powers. Mm-hmm. See, describing it that way Mm -hmm. does make it sound enticing. Yes. But there is an incredibly thin line between it's fun to figure out how to use these powers Uh and why do I have to slog my way through this? Like the line between I finally figured out how to do this and Mm -hmm. boy, is this an acquired taste I had to convince myself to like is so thin. I loved it. And it was on the wrong side of that for me. First moment. I don't couldn't get enough of it that. because it was, I've played a bunch of roguelikes that are not very accessible. Mm-hmm. And this one was very accessible. And mixing that with like, the difficulty is a big selling point to me in a game. Yeah, I like to be challenged. I don't play a video game with, yeah. if there's no challenge, mm-hmm. I am not interested Yeah, most of the time. And so that's why I like Miyazaki's Souls games, right? Which I don't know if you've ever played, but are among my favorite I games of all time. Not, no. And they have the same style of storytelling. You will get no story unless you put together the lore clues as pieces as you're moving through. They will not tell you basically anything. See, and I do believe that I could probably eventually get into the gameplay of it. Mm -hmm. You know, once I turned on God mode and I'm like, oh, I see how this is going to make you more powerful over time and things like that. I can see that. But Mm -hmm. the storytelling ultimately is what tanked it for me and what drove me away because that is not a style of storytelling that I enjoy. Which I I did not understand. Yeah. 
And so really, I think it's important for everyone out there to know, this game has already won Game of the Year. Yes. It won the Hugo for Best Video Game. The first, the inaugural Best Video Game Hugo. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need my accolades, and this is not a bad review of it. This is me genuinely just Trying not to. being in the demographic that is going to like this game and not understanding why other people like it. Here's why the story <laughs> is so great. Okay. Roguelikes are built around this uh, infinite repetition mm-hmm. of you do a run and then you fail and then you do a run again. Roguelikes are built around the idea of you level up, not the character, right? Yeah. That's like a core kind of idea mm-hmm. for them. And they have different styles of actually leveling you up. Most roguelikes, the only leveling up that you do is you level up the dungeon, meaning you find new things that are on an average power level higher than what was in there before. Yeah. So the random things you can find are better. Mm-hmm. That's how Enter the Gungeon does it. It's how Binding of Isaac does it. That's kind of how Dungeon did it. Mm-hmm. It was a little mobile game. And mm-hmm. if you were able to hit a certain point in the dungeon, you would unlock new classes. Yeah. And the classes were more powerful. And then you right. could do the run again with the more powerful class. And Hades just and added on fun. a straight up level up. You know, you get experience, you spend mm-hmm. it, you level up. Yeah. But the really cool thing about the story is what I just talked about there, that a lot of games, this whole you're doing it over and over again, they've learned how to lean into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. but haven't fully leaned into this idea that you are dying and trying. And Hades, it's a stroke of genius to be like, you are the son of Hades trying to escape Hades. Your father doesn't want you to leave, but he also doesn't hate you. But he's going to have all these things try to kill you because you're immortal. You'll just get reborn. And it's mm-hmm. more like you're a petulant teenager trying to escape the land of the dead. And when you die in this, you are just reborn back in the River Styx because that's how it works for you. And so the infinite sort of I am going to fight my way through until I get through this mixed with the whole idea of like Sisyphus and repetition as themes and whatnot like that works really well. And then there's actually a touching story between you and your family that emerges as the story goes along. So I will take your word for mm-hmm. it. It's straight so up you, genius. You said you loved it from the beginning. From like day, all the people yeah. that you meet. Yes. There was not a single character in that game that wasn't annoying to me. Okay. Did you like enjoy talking to them? Okay. That was the question I wanted to ask you. The dog. As soon as I realized, oh, there's a mechanic where every time I die, I get to pet the dog and tell him how much I love him. Mm -hmm. 100% guaranteed, eventually you have to kill the dog, right? No? No, he's your dog. You you actually, it's great. This is spoilers. Okay. He's at the exit and you're Mm -hmm. like, they build it up. You're going to have to fight the dog. And he's like, all right. No, I'm just kidding. What do you want in these, like, you want a treat? And the dog's like, yeah, I want a treat. And you're like, all right, I'll get you a treat. You get the dog a treat. And the dog takes the treat. And, and you get okay. You do well, not have to kill the dog. I, uh, um, it's a great moment. That, that was the one thing that was making me feel like I really need to finish this game I just so I Achilles can kill the dog. Achilles was great. Achilles is a very, like, totally not annoying in the least. He was the least annoying. I'll grant you. What's annoying about Achilles? Nyx was also the other one who wasn't as annoying. Mm-hmm. But like Chaos is not annoying. He's cool. Which one's Chaos? They are cool. Chaos is the god, uh, the father of Nyx that you m- meet to in the, the dungeon to exchange. They give you a negative and then you get an additive. Like if you can last the next three rooms without your magic, then from then on your magic is 20% more powerful. Oh, see, I never got far enough to meet him. Okay. There's the guy, it's like, 
Who's the guy right inside when you crawl out of the blood? Oh, and Hypnos. You're like, yeah, he's... Hypnos, he was obnoxious. He's intentionally obnoxious. And then obnoxious? you meet, like, Medusa's floating head. She was obnoxious. She is not obnoxious. Megara mm-hmm. was obnoxious. She's intentionally obnoxious. Yep. Well, okay, intentionally obnoxious is not something that's going to pull me into a game. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of fantastic <laughs> characters who are intentionally obnoxious. That's their character, right? Well, I mean... Yes, but do I want to spend all this time with them? Like all this time being 30 seconds between runs where you ask them one question and they answer? It just, it started to feel like a chore. Like, mm-hmm. can I just go through this game without having to talk to any of these people? Am I then missing the whole point of the game? At which point, why am I playing the game? So I will say there's nothing wrong with disliking something. Yeah. I am exaggerating my flabbergastedness (laughs) because, you know, I don't like stealth games. I've never Mm -hmm. really liked stealth games. And so that cuts me out of enjoying what some people's favorite games of all time are, such as the Metal Gear series. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. The Deus Ex series, though I finished one of them and I thought this is really well made. I just don't like these. This style of game, the Batman Arkham games. I played through one, thought it was really great on a conceptual level, but like I don't like this style of gameplay. And if you don't like this style of gameplay, you just don't like it. I don't. And Mm -hmm. like, for example, I would not recommend Binding of Isaac, though it has a twisted sense of humor. No, I like I said, I tried Mm -hmm. Binding of Isaac and I again, I thought everyone who recommended it was dumb. It's this, but 20 times more hard. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. bonkers to me. And uh, Spelunky is the worst of them all. A type of gameplay that I really don't like mm-hmm. is the way that Hades does boss fights. And this is the way okay. that a lot of games work. Like, this mm-hmm. is how Dark Souls entirely right. functions and mm-hmm. Monster Hunter and all these, where yeah. you get into a fight and you basically have to learn the patterns Yep. And say, oh, okay, I know that when they do this, that that means that they're going to shoot out a little AOE of mm-hmm. some kind. No interest in that whatsoever. So you don't like Zelda? You don't like Metroid? I've actually never played a Zelda game. Okay. Like, but even is there most, another way to do boss fights? Most endgame content mm-hmm. in MMOs yeah. has no interest for me because that's how they do it. Okay. I've never gotten to the endgame in an MMO because... Yeah. MMOs are not a not a thing I'm interested in. Yeah, like I've said this before, I've maxed out multiple level 80 characters in Guild Wars 2, mm-hmm. but I never do the raids because they're not interesting to me because learn the patterns to get through this thing. I'm not mm-hmm. playing it because it's a rhythm game. I'm playing it because I get to wander around and kill monsters and get loot. Like okay. that's what's interesting to me. What kind of bosses do you like? I'm <laughs> racking my brains to think of boss fights that are not secretly puzzle fights because that's... They all are. They all are. Boss fights are not as fun to me as just killing mobs. That's what I'm into. But killing mobs, you don't have to learn their patterns and things. So it's just, I'm trying to figure out, even in Dark Souls, the, Mm -hmm. the lowest level character, you need to know their patterns. Like, it's not just the bosses. You are absolutely right. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what Dark Souls, like, everything is about being careful out anticipating your enemies and knowing what their moves are going to be so you can deal with them. But that's what's fun because there's challenge. Is there challenge in killing mobs and getting loot? Well, I mean, and and this is where we come back to me not playing games for challenge, right? I play games for different reasons, for experience. I love wandering around. I love exploring. I love Mm -hmm. killing the little things. There are some big world events 
in Guild Wars that I really like that, yes, mm-hmm. they are ultimately puzzle-solving games. Like, right. look, when this little circle shows up on the ground, you know that that's about to explode or someone's about to throw arrows at it or something. But I will only play the ones that have, like, hundreds of players in them because then it is less about puzzle-solving and more about button mashing. Okay. <laughs> What other games do you just love? Top games of all time. Top games? Mm-hmm. The one that I am enthralled with right now uh-huh. that is probably going to go down in history as one of my all-time favorite games is Wildermyth. I've never you even, heard, even of heard of that. No. Relatively small game. I don't know where the border is between indie game and and Sounds like game. one of these base building games. It is actually a procedurally driven narrative game. Okay. That is, the combat for it is turn-based and kind of XCOM 2-ish, Okay. but with a very different art style. Mm-hmm. But the game itself, you make a character, or you make several characters because you have a whole mm-hmm. party of them, and the characters have combat stats, but you don't really care about those. What they do is they give the characters hooks. Okay. And so when it pitches characters to you and says, here's your starting party of three, and you can randomize and you can customize everything. It doesn't tell you whether they're strong or agile or tough. It'll say, this one's a compassionate intellectual. This one is a greedy hothead. Okay. This one is a poetic loner, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you go around and you wander around the map and you do stuff and it creates new maps. Mm-hmm. It's procedurally generated, like I said, creates new maps, the over map and the combat maps. And it throws events at you based on story hooks that are built into your character. Okay. And so, you know, if your character, one of the story hooks is that they have a dark secret about their past, well, then they've got 20 or so random events that deal with dark secrets, and you'll get one of them. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically, there are guideposts. It's really brilliant to watch the way they've put their story together. That all sounds really cool. You can go through this campaign and it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, there's a story going on. And at key milestones, you will get a scripted event. Mm -hmm. But so many of the other ones are just kind of these randomly determined events, Mm -hmm. you know, which are clearly also scripted, but which ones you get are random. And it's basically a visual novel that pauses every now and then to be a turn-based strategy squad game. Right. And I am in awe of how deeply it makes me care about the characters. That's great. By stringing together these random Mm -hmm. events. Really, really fun. Wildermyth. Everyone play Wildermyth. I will give that a try. What platform's it on? It's it's a Steam game game on PC. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very cool, like, storybook paper cutout kind of style to it. Okay. That's how indie games kind of go is they're like we cannot compete in the polygonal like Mm -hmm. rendering world with the triple a games so instead we're going to do something our own way yeah because don't starve has that kind of paper which one don't starve oh yeah yeah i think i tried that one too i hated it Yeah. yeah and leaning into that is just a really good idea because it creates these really interesting Mm -hmm. visual motifs and doing something that is simple but doing it really really well absolutely helps games like that kind of stand out above the crowd did you ever play braid braid Mm -hmm. oh wait is that the one that's like about a nuclear war maybe 
maybe. Meaning that is the one you're thinking of, but it is maybe about nuclear war. But it is war. ambiguous. It is ambiguous. I do remember that game, and I remember thinking that it was not for me. I, okay. I didn't hate it, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I can see the appeal of this, but yeah, it, it's for a different audience. Because that's another one of those indie darlings that I loved, just absolutely loved. But it is a puzzle game masquerading as a platformer. Mm. Because the time manipulation mechanics that they give you and whatnot are actually puzzle mechanics. And so it looks like Super Mario, but it plays like Tetris. I'm exaggerating, not Tetris. <laughs> it plays like a board game where you have a puzzle that you need to figure out and solve and things mm-hmm. like that. Maybe board games, even the wrong term. It looks like Super Mario, but it plays like a Zelda dungeon. There you go. For those who, uh, who are gamers, they would hmm. maybe figure that out. But very good game. We look for different things in games. We Let's definitely do. Yes. Like, I do enjoy a good story, but gameplay comes first, meaning I have to be having fun because otherwise I will just go to a story focused medium instead of video games. And for me, part of the fun is the challenge. Now, yeah. the challenge can be figure out how this game works, right? It doesn't have to be you can lose, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. you are going to lose. It doesn't have to be that style. But I have to be able to try to figure out how to play the game the best way. And games that let me figure that out on my own, I really enjoy. See, and I actually do enjoy the experience of watching other people go through that. Yeah. Like Dongwon Song, who's Mm -hmm. a fantastic agent, mutual friend of ours, Mm -hmm. they on Twitter, record their process of going through Dark Souls. Uh-huh. And I have no interest in ever playing that game, but I love watching them describe the process of playing that game. It's very entertaining to kind of watch somebody go through that and jump through all the hoops and figure out the puzzle. It really is a shame because Bloodborne, ambiance style, is so Dan. <laughs> um, that is the Dark Souls creator's gothic horror. But so the, wait, Dark Souls is not gothic horror? No, Dark Souls is medieval dark oh, fantasy. Okay. It's dark fantasy. Okay. Yeah. So gothic horror meaning werewolves, buttresses. It's nighttime. Mm-hmm. Things want to eat you. That yeah. sort of See, sort of that thing. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and the genius of it, I'm gonna give you guys a spoiler. If you don't want spoilers for Bloodborne, then turn this off because I know Dan's not going to play it. Yeah, but so the, you can spoil it for me. If I haven't told you this before, the genius of Bloodborne is that halfway through you realize it's a Cthulhu horror. It's an eldritch horror. Oh, really? That all of the monsters have been created by things that have been out all around you. But one of the themes of the story is there's these people who are like, you need eyes. You must have eyes. The old blood calls to those who have the eyes and things mm-hmm. like that. And what they mean is the more mad you go, the more visible the monsters become that are oh. pulling the strings, causing all of this. That's so cool. at what point you were in a park and one werewolf thing you were fighting just got grabbed, pulled up in the air and ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Someone cast a spell because there's wizards and things in this. Later on, you go back there and there's like a Shuggoth up there with like a thousand tentacles reaching down, grabbing things that come into it. And it's always been there. You just weren't 
crazy enough to see it yet. <laughs> That's um, fantastic. And it plays out where the environment is changing around you because of mm-hmm. that to see this. And you go into more and more eldritch-fueled craziness. Maybe shouldn't use that word, right? But you know what yeah. I mean. And you find out that all of this happened because people basically delved too deep and they started injecting themselves with the blood of these ancient things that came from the stars. And that gave them ability to see and powers, but it also created all of this. And it's just real cool. Hmm. But, you know, the story, you have to put that all together yourself yeah. or it watch lore videos. doesn't tell you. I wish, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly yes. there's an audience for that kind of storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But when I sit down to play a game, I just want Deckard Kane. Yes, to, to say tell you. me, okay, here's the thing yeah. that is happening. You need to figure out why it's happening by killing this monster. And mm-hmm. then I go and kill the monster and I find out why it's happening. I don't want the story to just emerge because I've engaged with the world. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to engage with the world. If the world is interesting in and of itself, I will engage with it. Don't hide the story behind your world building in a way that forces me to engage against there's my a, will. There's a creepy doll. The only way you level up is you go into your own dream palace that has been given to you by the previous hunter whose place you took as you try to protect the city from the monsters. And you have to level up by talking to the creepy doll and she tells you creepy things. And that's your that's your level up mechanic is I got to go visit the creepy doll now. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. See, that game sounds awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like I want to play it and mm-hmm. then I know that I wouldn't enjoy yeah. it. There are NPCs that you can bring to kind of your safe base by mm-hmm. saying, go there, it's safe. But if you get the wrong ones, one is a murderer and there's clues and context. But if you invite them and you haven't figured it out, they will just kill the other people. And your NPCs are gone, your vendors, because you invited the murderer into your home and they will kill your people like one at a time <laughs> while you're gone. And you'll come back and they'll be like, oh, don't know what happened. Then, you know. See, that sounds so annoying. Yeah, it is really (laughs) annoying. That one actually didn't happen to me. I did something on accident that stopped it from happening or Mm. something like that. I think there's ways to do it, but yeah. Just a really cool game that you will never play, and it's not for you. Okay, so we are now done with spoilers for Bloodborne. Okay. Because I know... Yeah. In the YouTube comments, they're going to ask, how long do the spoilers last? Yeah. We're done talking about Bloodborne. Done talking about Bloodborne. So what I want to go into now, mm-hmm. in context of this discussion, and especially about puzzle solving, yes. is the thing that happens in video games that I refer to as that one weird level. Okay. Where you yep. play the game, and like the whole game is a shoot 'em game. Right. But then there's one level that's a stealth. Right. Or you play the whole thing, and it's all puzzle. Battle but tips. then there's one thing... That is a shoot 'em. Do you, do you ever play Battletoads? Uh, yes, I did play Battletoads. Whole game's a beat 'em up, and then there's a racing level. Yeah, that is infamously hard and really stupid. And this is back in the days of the regular Nintendo, where you don't have continues, mm-hmm. you don't have save points or checkpoints, yeah. and so you get to this one level you're not prepared for in any way. It takes all your lives away. Because it's really hard and mm-hmm. it's not the gameplay. And then you're left with like one live if you're lucky. And then yeah. you just die on the next level. See, and sometimes mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is used with purpose. Yes. With Battletoads, I always got the sense that it was just the developers got bored. Yep. And they came up with a new thing to amuse themselves. Mm-hmm. Not because they, for storytelling purposes, wanted to thin out your lives or your resources. Right. 
They just thought it would be cool to throw a racing level in. Yep. So what are your thoughts on that one weird level in general? I usually dislike them. They're usually awful. Once in a while, I have liked them. I can think of one that I liked, and it's usually the developers who understand, even someone like me that likes a challenge, throwing at me something that's going to be a one-off that is super challenging is going to frustrate me, right? Mm -hmm. So usually they understand to make it easy and just make it a breather. I'm thinking of- Ideally, yeah. Which one is it? Uh, Modern Warfare 2. One of the best entries in the whole- What's the pre-thing to Modern Warfare? Call of Duty? Call of Duty, yeah. yeah. Call of Duty, Modern, Modern Warfare 2, which is now an old classic, very venerable. There is a thing in that one, it's mostly an FPS, right? Mm-hmm. With occasional stealth elements, and they play up the stealth, so it's not like one stealth level. And I'm okay with that. One time that I like doing some stealth is when I get to be the sniper. And this is, you know, when you get a sniper. Yeah. Plus, they end that level of sniping with a really great action sequence where it's like, all right, you just got to hold the ground here with some machine guns because waves (laughs) of bad guys are coming, but a helicopter will rescue. Yeah. They were really good. The Call of Duty franchise was all about interesting set pieces. Well, and they were often Mm -hmm. very good with that one weird level. I remember in one of their World War II Mm -hmm. Call of Duties... They had one where it was you and two NPCs in basically a little miniature tank, mm-hmm. and you were the gunner in the turret at the top, Yeah, and the two, like the Scottish captain and the other guy just drove around and argued with each other and crashed through walls, and you just had to shoot the guys. That one was a delight. And then Modern Warfare 2 has one of those, where you're yeah. up in a big plane with a, a very, very large caliber explosive weapon. And you are hunting bad guys who are little white blips on a screen. And you got a giant gun that can blow up buildings. And they're like, all right, (laughs) let's bring those guys down. And you're like, all right, boom, whoa, okay. This is what we're doing now. And uh, See, and when Splinter Cell tried that mm -hmm. same thing, it was before we can insert you for this stealth mission, you've got to take out some bad guys with a drone. And it didn't have the big fun, let's Mm -hmm. blow up a building aspect. It was just... You know, everything you hate about stealth games right? combined with all of a sudden the entire control scheme is different and the UI is different and you're going to hate this and a single mistake will send you back to the beginning and scrub mm-hmm. the whole thing. That is, oh. uh, that sounds awful. It was awful. Yeah. I, I love Splinter Cell series in general, but they have a tendency to try to shake things up and they are not good at it <laughs> at all. I mean... Probably one of the old classic versions of this is the water levels with Mario, which are very divisive to this day that, you know, oh, no, this is the water level where suddenly all of my control scheme is different and all of my goals are different. And Mega Man did the same thing. Mm. You get to Mine Man or whatever his name was, and your controls were different and the walls would kill you and everything was harder. Yep. I mean, in Mega Man, kind of that's what they did anyway, because yeah. you go to that robot's land and their rules are different than every other robot's land. Mm-hmm. But the water one was the worst one. See, this is, this is the genius of Dark Souls. Dark Souls <laughs> is one of those games that understands how to slowly escalate you. I would say probably a lot of games are good at this, but the idea that they add new elements slowly. So by the end, you're juggling them all, and mm-hmm. it's really exciting and interesting that you're juggling all of these new elements, rather than one big shift and then back to what you were doing before. The original Devil May Cry did a really good job with that, adding new powers and new types of enemies very slowly. Yeah. I've never found another of the Devil May Cry's 
hit that balance right. I don't know if you know what kind of game Devil May Cry is. Isn't it a, it's some kind of shooter game. It's a stylish beat-em-up. Yeah, that's that's um, what I was thinking. Very stylish beat-em-up where you are like a guy- Bayonetta. Bayonetta is by yeah. the same person. Okay. Yep. And that balance is really hard to get because another thing that is tricky, here's what, when that style of game's going wrong, really bugs me. Mm-hmm. This is- Brandon and Dan gripe <laughs> about video games, the podcast. Welcome to our- <laughs> Those who our... can't do, teach. Yeah. So in Devil May Cry, they do collectibles, mm-hmm. right? And if you search a level, like you go into a hallway or something, you fight through the monsters there, and then you, you're supposed to kind of search it for collectibles, for bonus things. And you do this until you get to a boss. And sometimes you can backtrack a little bit, but then the boss is kind of the end of that section. You're not going to backtrack after that. And then you beat the boss and you go to another group. So maybe you're in this house and you're fighting your way through this house and going through these rooms, finding all this stuff, and then you find the boss and you fight the boss. Everything's beat up style. But the bosses are the bosses that you don't like, meaning the bosses that are in almost all video games, where it's mm-hmm. like, you're going to have to take a number of tries to figure out how to face this boss because there's, you know, super powerful moves that you need to know how to dodge and things like that. And Devil May Cry yeah. is all about being stylish, so you got to dodge them in a stylish way. <laughs> and when Devil May Cry is working... Like, it was the game I was playing when my wife walked in and she's like, wow, you're really good at this because they make the mechanics such that you look awesome on screen when you're doing it. When you are doing a bit of button mashing and you're Mm -hmm. intentionally doing some of it, but not all of it, it's blending together smoothly. So you look like, you know, you're fighting 50 guys at once. You're throwing some in the air and shooting them with one gun while you're stabbing another. And you do a backflip over another and use him as a bullet shield and all of that stuff. And you, uh-huh. just, you just really look awesome. Yeah. But when it fails, you are falling on your face, getting stomped by monsters. And bosses will do that in a couple of hits and you're done. Yeah. And it sends you to the back of the beginning of the level in the bad ones. Mm. Not to the beginning of the boss, which means that all the collecting that you did, you either have to go through and do it again, smash all the pots, right? It's that kind of collecting. Smash all the pots, find all the things so that you got the most amount of money to buy new things at the end of the level. Mm -hmm. Or you just be like, all right, I'm done. You skip it, run straight to the boss that you know where they're there, but then you don't get to level up well. Not putting a save point in front of your bosses in that case is an exercise in tedium as opposed to difficulty Mm -hmm. because you've mastered the level, but now you're going to have to do all the stuff you've mastered in a boring way before you can get to the stuff that's difficult. And roguelikes walk a really fine line between this. And the reason that Hades works for me and that didn't is with Hades, the going through the level is interesting because I'm trying out new powers. Yeah. I'm balancing all of these new powers in interesting ways. And indeed, they make the early levels more difficult and interesting as you progress through the game so that the early levels are never boring. You're doing your build and things. Agree to disagree on that, right. but yes. But Devil May Cry, it was like two or three that mm-hmm. did this. Oh, man. I <laughs> dropped that game so fast. I'm like, I am not going to do this not every gonna time. Not going to have to. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, another game that did that stylish thing really mm-hmm. well. Did you play the original Prince of Persia? I did. Yeah. Once you figured out how to do the fencing, mm-hmm. you looked like an absolute sword master. And it was yes. old graphics. Yep. They 2D. did miracles with the amount of memory they mm-hmm. had to work with. But I remember playing that in my typing class at school. Yep. And, you know, once I figured out, oh, this is how the fighting works, 
then the fencing was back and forth and mm-hmm. Errol Flynn and everyone else in the class gathers around because they're like, oh, that looks amazing. You're so good at this. Right. No, I just figured out like the one or two things of how to make this work. But that was really slick because Prince of Persia also did the stuff. I still remember as a kid, like normally you jump over a pit and if you miss, you go in the pit. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you know, whatever. You Mario, boink, boink, boink. Prince of Persia had this thing where if you just narrowly miss it, you grab the ledge and pull yourself up in a very smooth motion. I remember mm-hmm. it looking so smooth. And yeah. it it looked so intentional that it had this feel of, wow, I'm, I'm cool. Even on something simple like that. Yeah. So. Good job. Good. I think that was programmed by one person. It was one dude. Yeah. He was in a company with a few other people. There's actually a really f- great YouTube video about mm-hmm. how he figured out how to get around his memory constraints. And, mm. you know, what you're was talking about the with- Steve Jobs' way is hire the laws and pay him um, <laughs> a fraction of the money you get for doing it? No, it's actually, you know, there's the evil doppelganger guy, the mm-hmm. like the, the dark hero or the mirror yeah. hero. They came up with that because he realized that if he just set all the pixels to their opposite value, then he wouldn't have to give any new animations, but he mm-hmm. would have like an evil version of your character. Mm. And so it was the constraints of the software that led him to this really cool storytelling thing. Before we go, because we're almost out of time, do you know that story about Steve Jobs? No, I don't. Steve Jobs, you know, divisive person. <laughs> shall we say. I will not pretend to know all the nuance of Steve Jobs, but there's a story, and I could be repeating it incorrectly, so I recommend people go to primary sources to find this. Definitely. My memory of this story is they were making video games for arcades, and they, you know, Steve Jobs found out, or they offered Steve Jobs, they said, if you can get it under this size, then the number of chips we have to buy is halved, right? Mm -hmm. Because if it goes over this, we have to buy a second chip. So we will pay you X amount of money if you can figure out how to program games that they're small enough to fit on one chip. Mm. And, you know, some fairly large sum of money. Mm -hmm. And so what does he do? Goes to Steve Wozniak, his genius friend, and says, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can figure out how to do this. And Woz is like, oh, what a cool little uh, um, (laughs) memory exercise, you know, thought exercise. And the Woz spends a few weeks being a genius and comes back and says, hey, I fixed it. Here's your thing. And he's like, here's your 50 bucks. And then he goes back to the people and they pay him a large sum of money. I'm exaggerating on the 50 bucks, but not by much. You know, I have actually met Steve Wozniak. Mm -hmm. And I 100% believe that he is the kind of person who would just dive into a problem because it is fun to solve problems. Yep. And the Woz doesn't look poorly, at least in public, upon that that Mm -hmm. exchange. But that's your capitalism lesson right there for the evening, I suppose. (laughs) But yes, have smart friends and abuse their friendship for labor. How's that, Ben? (laughs) 